What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Galena Pate on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Galena, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like with your story. Hey, so um, I guess I'll start where everyone else kind of starts about um, my husband and I, how we met. Um, So a little background about us. Um, We both have wanted to be veterinarians since we were little kids. So um, we ended up um, both going to the same veterinary school, um, and uh, we met in orientation week, uh, became friends, uh, then, you know, slowly but surely started dating and got engaged and married um, by second year of vet school, um, which I didn't see coming at all. I was going to vet school to become a veterinarian, and I didn't have uh, marriage or, you know, meeting someone on my mind at all. Um, so that was totally unexpected. Um, also before meeting him, I kind of thought, oh man, I'm not going to have kids until like late (laughs) thirties. I couldn't see myself having kids for a long time, um, before I met him. And then when we were in school, we're like, wow, we really want kids, but like, you know, we're students. Like, obviously we can't afford to do that right now. So we gotta wait till we graduate at least. Um, And then graduation came along um, in 2019, and we were like, okay, well, I guess I guess we can have kids now. Theoretically, we're graduated, but um, we decided that we're like, okay, well, you know, now we are out of school and we have more time and money. I guess like let's travel a little bit, let's do that, and we don't need a rush to have kids. so we weren't actively trying or anything. Um, then in August, um, I had what I was pretty sure was a chemical pregnancy. Um, unfortunately I had never taken a home pregnancy test. So by the time I went to the doctor to try to talk to them about, um, you know, diagnosing it, they're basically like, well, we can't prove it. So they didn't really take me seriously. And it was kind of awkward because it's like, I'm pretty sure that I was pregnant. Um, but it was just so short that, I, you know, had no idea that I lost it. And um, it was just kind of an awkward time. Like I ended up Googling uh, what that was like. And I found out about chemical pregnancies. And I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure that's what I had. But, um, you know, again, can't confirm that. So I'm not really sure what happened there. Um, We decided to just, you know, keep not really trying. Um, I was off birth control, but we were like, you know, weren't really doing anything too intentionally. Um, And then November came around and we had this conversation that we were like, you know what? No, we, we really want to try. Like we really want to have a kid sooner than later. Like we want to be younger parents. Like we're still not, uh, you know, as young parents as I've seen for sure. Like we're, I'm 26 and um, he's 27, but like, let's, you know, let's actually try this time. So November, we decided to like actually try a ovulation kit and everything just to make sure. 
Um, and I found out I was pregnant on November 24th, um, which was really quick um, and unexpected. I remember um, I thought I got my period, but it was just, I guess, implantation bleeding. Um, so I thought, okay, like I'm not pregnant. And we went out with our friends that night and had a few drinks, um, of course. And I, I always felt guilty about that. Um, and the next day, my husband had to go to work. Um, and I was like, I, I don't know, my period like went away randomly and I'm kind of nauseous. So I took a home pregnancy test and it was positive. Um, of course he was at work. <laughs> I couldn't tell him. And I immediately called him like 10 times. Um, <laughs> and he didn't pick up. Um, he's in an emergency vet. So like, obviously he was probably pretty busy. Um, but then I told my, uh, one of my best friends and I was like, I don't know what to do. He's at work. And she's like, well, you can't just tell him over the phone. You got to set up a surprise, like be elaborate. So when he finally called me back and I was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Like I saw, you know, a bunch of missed calls from you. I made up some story that like my, my dog ran out the house, but I got her back. So it was fine. Um, so that was, uh, how smooth I am. Um, and I set up this huge uh, elaborate scheme of, I went out to the mall and bought a sweatshirt that said like, Oh dear, I'm pregnant. And I was going to have him like walk into the house and have him on camera, like seeing me in the sweatshirt. And, um, I ended up setting it up and it was really sweet. And he like, didn't believe it at first. Um, cause he knew we were trying. So he thought I bought the sweatshirt, like, you know, to wear whenever we found out, but I was like, no, like I found out today, like I'm pregnant. And he's like, what? So it was really, really exciting. We were so happy. Um, and uh, I pretty much immediately told everyone. <laughs> I had told um, my parents uh, over FaceTime. We told his mom over FaceTime. Um, and then I kind of had to tell everyone at work right away. Um, I was going to tell my coworkers, like my really close ones first, because I was already talking about trying and everything. Like I was pretty open with them about it. Um, but being a veterinarian, um, I really needed to tell everyone right away because, uh, you know, you're around a lot of, um, you know, anesthesia gas and things that might pose a risk to baby. So people really have to be aware um, if you're pregnant. Um, I'm also in the army, so I'm an army veterinarian. So that's kind of like a double whammy, like, when you find out you're pregnant, you have to start going to pregnancy physical um, training in the morning rather than the normal physical training with the rest of the unit. So um, I had to um, tell everyone as soon as I knew. Um, so everyone was so excited for me. And like, they were already talking about like planning a baby shower and whatnot. And it never crossed my mind that like, it was maybe not a good idea to tell everyone so soon or like, this could not end up in a healthy pregnancy. Like I immediately was just like, I'm pregnant. This baby is coming in July and this is so exciting. And I told everyone, like I shouted it from the rooftops. The only thing I didn't do is like post it on Facebook. Um, and that was only because I was like, well, I guess there's this rule that you wait till the end of the first trimester, but uh, that's not going to happen to me. And I just really had no idea that like this would go badly. Um, 
so I had all the pregnancy symptoms, like headache, nausea. I was peeing all the time. Um, everything told me that like this was going fine. Like I was having weird aversions, like every smell in the clinic set me off. Um, like normally I'm nothing phases me or makes me nauseous, but I was getting nauseous all the time. Um, so then on December 8th, so like about uh, two weeks later after I found out, um, I started having cramps and they felt like period cramps, not like as bad, but they were there. Um, so I ended up calling this nurse advice line um, that we have for our hospital. And they're like, yeah, well, cramps can be normal, but you know, go to the ER just to be safe. So I didn't have any bleeding, so I wasn't that worried. I went to the ER and they were like, okay, we're going to do like a transvaginal ultrasound um, and make sure everything's okay. And I was just honestly excited to get an ultrasound. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to see my baby. Like, this is exciting. And they don't really think anything's wrong. So I was just like completely oblivious. Um, they did the ultrasound and they said, oh, things seem to be normal. You seem to be at the appropriate like, phase for um, how many weeks along you are. I think I was six weeks at that point. Um, and your HCG is good, so everything's fine. I was like, okay, sounds good. Um, well, I got a call um, the Monday after that when I was at work from the OB-GYN office, and they were like, hey, can you come in for an ultrasound like today? And I immediately kind of started panicking. I was like, well, yeah, I, I guess so. Like, um, how come? And they're like, well, we saw you went to the ER and um, it's just standard practice that if you go to the ER and you get an ultrasound, we do a follow-up just to make sure because they, they miss things and um, they're not as good with the ultrasound as we are. And I was like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Like, sounds good. And so, um, you know, as soon as I, luckily I didn't have a, an appointment toward the end of the day and I got off early and I headed over to OBGYN and I was a nervous wreck and I was really freaking out. Um, and luckily my husband had the day off so he could come join me. Um, they were doing the transvaginal ultrasound and the doctor was like, hmm, like I can't find the yolk sac. And he was with the resident and they were both looking and he was like, yeah, you know, can't find the yolk sac. And he just starts like shaking his head. And I'm looking at my husband like, you know, just desperate, you know, I, I knew that they were about to call it as a miscarriage. Like I just had the feeling they're both shaking their heads. They're both like looking like they're about to deliver me bad news. Um, and then all of a sudden he goes, Oh, nope, there's the yolk sac found it. Like everything's fine. And so immediately it was just like, oh, okay, like this is an emotional roller coaster. Um, so after the ultrasound was done, the doctor came back in the room and I said, okay, so you found the yolk sac, like, is everything fine and progressing normally? And he's like, yeah, well, you know, as of today, everything is fine, but you do know that one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage. And, you know, people get so worked up about it, but uh, back in like our parents' generation, like they would miscarry and not even know they were pregnant in the first place. So it just like wasn't as heartbreaking. And he was just the most insensitive doctor I have ever met. Like I, oh my gosh, I could have slapped him right there on the spot, honestly. Like I am not a violent person, but he, oh, he drove my anger up so high just saying stuff like that to me. Um, 
and especially being so like, you know, oh, nonchalant about, well, can't find the oak sack. Oh, just kidding. There it is. Like, I don't know. As a doctor myself, um, I deliver bad news, you know, um, pretty often. And he just did it so wrong, like no compassion um, and was just so unprofessional the entire time. And I, I don't know, I left there just being more so angry with him than worried about the baby because I just kept telling myself like that doctor was a jerk and like obviously he had no bedside manner and I, I don't trust him anyway. So you know what, like, I think everything's fine with the baby. And, um, my husband kind of felt the same way. And I remember telling everyone at work, I was like, yeah, I was an emotional roller coaster, And they're all like, yeah, that's crazy. Like, I'm sure everything's fine. I'm like, yeah, me too. Um, so a week later we had to go back for a follow-up ultrasound. Cause they basically said like, come back in a week. And if there's development, um, then everything should be fine. And we'll put you back on your regular, like OB checkup schedule. Um, so I went back in a week and luckily it was a different doctor. If it wasn't, I was about to request a different one. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy, like, I can't, I can't have another appointment with him. Like he made me so upset. Um, so luckily it was a different doctor. Um, but the same resident. So I had some continuity. Um, and they're doing the ultrasound and they, you know, looked at first, they were like, okay, like we should be able to see a heartbeat at this point. Cause I think I was eight weeks at this point. Um, and kind of like last time they're like, we're not finding one. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, what's that? And it looked like a flicker. It looked like a heartbeat. And I was so excited. And I, I like looked at my husband. I was just like, you know, ready to start like yelling out, like so happy. Um, and then the doctor took over because the resident was doing it at that point. And he's like, actually, I don't know if that's a heartbeat. Let's put the Doppler on, which the Doppler is what basically shows like the blood flow. Um, and and the horrible thing about all this is like, I do ultrasounds weekly at work. So like, I know how to use an ultrasound and like, before they even explain anything, like I know what they're looking at. Like, I know obviously looking at a pregnant dog is different than looking at a pregnant human, but um, in some senses it's very similar. Um, so when I looked at the screen and saw the flicker, I initially got excited, but as soon as they put the Doppler over it to look at the blood flow, I knew that it wasn't an actual heartbeat. It was just a pulsing of some tissue um and they're like yeah that's probably placenta and they said let's roll you into radiology to get a better ultrasound because this one's portable maybe we're missing something and i was like okay so they take me into the better ultrasound in the infertility side of the clinic and i'm like oh great this is already a bad sign um and i have to walk through the waiting room to get there with all these happy pregnant women you know, doting over their ultrasound pictures or their babies. And it was just, it was already like a rough setup. Um, and we get into the room and they do the ultrasound and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like this pregnancy looks like it's about six weeks and you're supposed to be about eight weeks. And it really doesn't look normal. Like it, the sack is kind of misshapen. It just doesn't look like a viable pregnancy. And they said, oh, we can recheck in another week to confirm. 
um, just to be completely sure because with early pregnancies, sometimes a miracle happens and it can just, you know, become normal. And in a week you might come back and it might be normal, but like most likely this is not a viable pregnancy. And I just didn't know what to feel at that point. I was like, so you're telling me there's a small chance, but don't be hopeful, but like, don't give up. And I don't know. It was just really overwhelming. I was immediately sobbing. My husband was keeping it together. And then we have to walk back through the waiting room to get back to the other clinic. And as I'm sobbing, and it was just so awkward. Um, and I remember the doctor asking me, like, you know, how have your pregnancy symptoms been? Like, are your breasts still tender? And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh no. Like, I hadn't noticed before, but like that was one of the first symptoms I noticed of being pregnant was like my breasts were hurting like crazy. Like I couldn't do push-ups anymore just because it hurt to like get on the ground. And I, as soon as he said that, I was like, they haven't been. And I kind of knew in my heart that I was like, uh, like, I don't really feel pregnant now that you're like telling me to notice it. Like I don't physically feel pregnant anymore. So, um, I kind of knew it was a loss at that point and as hard as it was to accept and um, as much as my husband and I were like trying to cling to that little small hope of like things are going to get normal. Um, we we kind of knew at that point. Um, so three days later I got cramps again and I kind of thought maybe this is a miscarriage coming on. Um, I should probably go to the ER and I didn't have much bleeding. It was just kind of a little bit of spotting, but I kind of thought it was like the beginning of something. Um, so I went to the ER um, and they did another ultrasound and pretty much told me again, like, this is probably a miscarriage. Um, but the weird thing is that they drew my HCG and kind of like the other day, um, they noticed this, but they didn't like seemed too concerned. It wasn't doubling anymore. Like it was supposed to be like a normal, healthy pregnancy, but it was still rising. Um, so it was rising, but not doubling. And they were kind of like, Hmm, this could mean that it's an ectopic pregnancy. So now we're kind of concerned. So even though you're probably like, so my OBGYN was talking to me and was basically like, even though it's probably a miscarriage, um, you know, uh, and probably just going to be uh, one that you pass naturally. We want to follow up with you. So <clears throat> I had my recheck in the week where they confirmed that it was for sure a miscarriage. But again, my HCG was still rising. Um, so he's like, this is just very strange. Um, and at this point, I got a new doctor um, who I liked even more, which was good. Um, and she basically gave me the three options of, you know, you can take the mesoprostol, um, which is the pill to um, <clears throat> make the miscarriage kind of happen. You can get a DNC, which is surgery to remove it, or you can wait for it to happen naturally. And at that point, I don't know why, I was just so convinced. I was like, yeah, I'm going to wait for it to happen naturally because that'll be the best way for me to deal with this emotionally because... I'll be able to physically feel the loss and whatnot. And um, I didn't like the idea of taking mesoprostol because I read on some forums that women said that cramps were horrible and it was so intense. 
And then I also like didn't really want surgery if I didn't need it. Um, so it's like, I'll just wait for it to happen naturally. <clears throat> um, and so the doctor is fine with that, but she's like, Hey, I need you to come in though twice a week to check on the HCG because I don't want to like, you know, be missing an ectopic pregnancy here. So they did that like twice a week. I would go in for my HCG and they would do a quick transvaginal ultrasound just to make sure they weren't seeing anything that could be suspicious. Um, and they, you know, pretty much was staying pretty static. And at this time it was, it was already Christmas. Um, and my husband and I were already like not looking forward to Christmas that much because he is uh, an emergency veterinarian. And um, since it was his first year out of school, he got stuck with all the holidays. So he was already working Christmas. Um, luckily not Christmas day, but like every day around it. Um, and we had just moved out to Washington state uh, cause I got stationed out here and his family's in Texas and mine is in Florida and Connecticut. So we knew that uh, our family, there was no point in them visiting if he was working you know, pretty much the entire week. So we weren't going to have family out here for Christmas. So we were already sad about that. And then got diagnosed with a miscarriage five days before. Um, and so we were really not looking forward to Christmas. Um, so Christmas came and went. Um, all of the presents that my husband got me for Christmas were pregnancy related. <clears throat> so like prenatal yoga. Um, he got me a little ornament, that was like a pregnant snowman. Um, he got me like a little pregnancy spa kit. Um, and I just remember him being like, I don't want to give you any of these presents because they're all pregnancy related. And I was like, that's not your fault. Like I want to open them. I want to see them. And so we opened them and we, we cried together and, um, it was, it was really hard. Sorry, just let me get some water. Um, but basically, um, my mom called me the day after Christmas and was like, well, do you want to see me? Like, do you want me to visit? And I was like, sure, that would be great. And so she just, at a drop of a hat, like flew out the next day and came for a few days. And I thought that that would help. And I love my mom. I have a close relationship with her. Um, but she has never gone through infertility or miscarriage or anything like that she um had me and my sister really easily without trying like didn't even know she was pregnant with us um until like lots of weeks in um so as much as I love my mom she made things so much worse she came and the first thing she said when she got into the car was you know at least it wasn't a real baby yet um I had someone at work that miscarried at um, 25 weeks. And you know, that's a real baby. Like your baby didn't even have a spinal cord yet. So like that should make you feel better. And <laughs> I like, oh my gosh, I immediately just like turned around and was like, no, like my baby was real to me. Like this, like, don't say that to me. That's ridiculous. Um, and my husband was really upset too. And she kept saying stuff like that all the entire weekend she was here. She just kept saying things like, at least you're young, at least you know you can get pregnant. All of the at least statements that no one wants to hear when they're going through this. Um, and all the while, I'm still having these twice a week checkups with the doctor. And 
I mean, this doctor, I, I couldn't thank her enough for the amount of empathy she showed me because whenever I went into the office, the first thing she would do when I would sit down, she'd be like, how are you? Like, how are you emotionally? And she'd check in with me. And she told me from the beginning, um, from when I was first diagnosed with a miscarriage, she told me, she's like, you don't let anyone tell you that like you can't mourn this baby um, because you're, you know, quote unquote, only um, eight weeks along when you found out you were losing it because um, she's like, you and your husband made plans for this baby. Like you had all of these things lined up for this baby's future and you were mourning um, the loss of plans. Um, you're mourning the loss of like all this excitement. Um, it's not just the loss of an embryo. Like some people are just trying to make it out. Like it's not a big deal. Um, so I was so thankful for that doctor for telling me that from, from the beginning, because, um, there was a part of me that when my mom was saying all those things, I was like, am I being dramatic? Like, you know, should I just get over it? Like, you know, I, what if I'm overreacting, you know? Um, so I was really thankful to have that doctor to at least make me feel like a little bit justified in my grief, um, which is horrible to say that because no woman should ever um, have to have someone make them feel justified in their grief. They should just be able to grieve. But um, here we are. Um, it's kind of the way our society works, unfortunately. Because um, people at work also, um, when they found out, uh, you know, luckily, since it was the holidays, um, we were already kind of on limited operations. I didn't have to go into the clinic too much, but um, people still said the wrong things when they got the chance to see me. Like Some people were just like, yeah, well, you can just try again. And um, one of my other friends was, you know, oh, have you thought about a adoption? And oh my God, I hate that one because it's like my husband's adopted and so is his sister. And I've talked about um, the adoption process with his mom before. And if anyone knew how long and complicated and expensive the option of adoption is, they wouldn't just tell you to do it as a backup plan. Um, and it's like, I would love to adopt, but like right now, like I want my own baby. Like I want to go through pregnancy. Like I have always wanted to go through pregnancy and look at our baby and be like, wow, like part me, part your dad. Um, like that, that is my dream. And like, I don't understand why some people think it's okay to tell you how you're supposed to have a baby. Um, or that it's not a big deal if like you can't have a baby the way you want to. Um, and like, personally, I don't have, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars lying around to adopt a baby as much as my husband and I have talked about it and said that if this didn't work, then adoption would for sure be an option for us. Like we would go for it, but like we're in so much student debt. Um, like that's, it's just not a viable option right now. Um, so that, that hurt a lot. Um, so in this meantime, while I'm waiting for this baby to pass naturally. I'm hearing all of this, like mixed uh, condolences like some people are very helpful some people are not um and finally um I was like you know I am not passing this baby on my own like 
what the heck, you know, it's been a few weeks and it's not passing. And my HCG was still creeping up every visit. So finally, um, on January 2nd, um, this is a visit that my husband couldn't make it to. Um, I went for an ultrasound and there was some hemorrhage in my uterus. Um, and it wasn't much, but it was still different than all the other ultrasounds I had seen. Um, and my HCG was still like slowly rising and I just like broke down crying. And my doctor was like, do you want a DNC? Like I can fit you in tomorrow if you want to. And I just was like, you know what? Yep. Book me in. And I called my husband and was like, I'm getting a DNC tomorrow. And he's like, well, that was quick. Like, I thought you didn't want one. And I was like, I thought I didn't either. But like, I think I was not getting a DNC before because I had this like stupid hope in the back of my head that, you know, this is going to turn around. And like, you know, I was praying so hard and I thought like, oh, you know what? God is just going to make this baby viable. And it's so hard for me because like, I was so hopeful even though I was so upset. Um, but like, as soon as I saw that hemorrhage on the screen, like I immediately knew, I was like, no, this isn't, this isn't gonna come back. Like this isn't going to get better. Um, so I went for the DNC and I was so nervous. Um, I just don't like the idea of going under anesthesia. Um, probably because I work with anesthesia all the time and I like know the risks of it. Um, I also know it's very safe, but um, you know, I, I don't know. I just kept feeling like the odds were against me at this point. Like I was young and healthy and I wasn't supposed to have a miscarriage, but I did. And so then I don't know why I just immediately went to catastrophizing, like I'm going to die under anesthesia. Like that's just what's going to happen now. And I mean, it was pretty dark time for me. Um, so I was, I was just upset about everything. Um, but luckily it went well, um, you know, pretty painless and they put me on good pain meds after. So I wasn't hurting or anything like that. And the doctor told me, you know, Hey, we're going to be doing a standard pathology. Um, you know, we'll call you and that's back. Um, just to confirm that it's, um, a pregnancy because if it's not, then we definitely have to keep looking for an ectopic and we're going to keep checking your HCG to make sure it dropped after the surgery. Because again, if not, it may be ectopic. So I had my HCG, HCG, sorry, <laughs> three days later. Um, and it was dropping and I was like, okay, well that's good. Right? Like at least at the end of the day, like I am almost through this horrible nightmare. And so my husband and I, um, we're already talking about like, you know, trying again. And we're like, oh my gosh, um, you know, like as soon as my normal period comes back, um, we're clear to try again. So that's like less than a month. And, um, you know, I've been reading in the first three cycles after a miscarriage are your most fertile. And so as hurt as we were, like we were just clinging on to the fact like, okay, we can just try again. And, you know what, we got to cling on to some positive here. Like, let's try again and we will have a healthy baby this time. Like we've paid our dues with a miscarriage and that was horrible. And there's no way we're going to go through this again. Um, and so we were just, you know, holding on to hope. We're like, come February, we'll try again. And then we'll have a healthy baby and we'll still have a baby in 2020. Um, and this is going to be great. So 
we were grieving so hard, but like that was our glimmer of hope and our light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so January 9th, um, I decided to, so this was like a week later after that first HCG, um, I decided to go to a yoga class and the prenatal yoga that my husband bought me, luckily I called the yoga studio and they just transferred it over to normal yoga. Um, so I went to my first yoga class there and I was really excited to get some peace of mind and, uh, you know, get some meditation in and, I was putting my stuff down. I put down my mat for the yoga and class was about to start. And I went to go silence my phone when I saw that my doctor was calling. I was like, huh, okay, I should go take this. Um, I had gotten my HCG drawn earlier that day. So I figured she was just calling about the results because this was just a lab visit. I didn't go get an ultrasound. Um, so I went to the bathroom and picked up and she's like, hey, so, um, you know, got your HCG back. And I was like, okay, was it, was it lower? And she's like, yeah, so um, good news, it's, it's lower, but, and I was like, oh God, what's the but? Like, what could even be the but at this point? Like, I have no idea. My HCG is lower. What could be wrong? And she's like, well, the initial pathology came back and um, it's a suspected molar pregnancy. And I was like, okay, what the heck? Um, I immediately was like, you know, as a medical person, my, I always go through worst case scenarios, but that wasn't on my radar. I remember in the back of the what to expect when you're expecting book, it tells you about different types of miscarriage. And I read about blighted ovum and ectopic. Um, and there was a little blip about the molar pregnancies. And it was like, this is one in a thousand. And I was like, yeah, that's not me. So I immediately just didn't, I didn't read it. So all I could think of in my head was, oh my God, all I know about molar pregnancies is that it's super rare. And my doctor is telling me that I might have this. Like, are you kidding me? Um, so I was like, tell me everything because I, like normally I feel like I have a little bit of background and have read a little bit about it, but I was like, tell me everything. Cause I don't know. And she's like, honestly, it's so rare that like, I'm not the expert in it either, but you know, here's the things you need to know. Like basically if you have a molar pregnancy, it means that like there was a mess up at the very beginning of conception. So it's either two sperm fertilized an egg or an egg with no genetic material was released. Um, if one of those two things happened, it's a partial molar pregnancy. If two sperm fertilize an egg that has no genetic material, so both of those things happen at the same time, it's called a complete molar pregnancy. Um, so Basically, a molar pregnancy is that, you know, the conception, there is like the wrong amount of genetic material. And instead of growing a baby, you essentially grow a tumor. Um, and with a partial molar, you grow a baby and the placenta is a tumor. Um, and with a complete, it's basically, you don't have a baby at all. It's just a tumor. Um, and this is kind of like a rough explanation of it. I mean, I'm not being super scientific here, but um, that was kind of the gist of it. And she's basically like, yeah, and, um, well, if this is molar, then we'll have to track your HCG for a number of months afterward, um, to make sure that it's not growing back, which means that it's metastasizing to other organs in your body. And, um, you can't try to get pregnant again in that time. 
and if it grows back, you'll need chemo. Um, and I like I was all hearing this in the yoga studio bathroom, <laughs> and I'm just like crying and uh, honestly in shock. And I felt so bad because I kept asking her to repeat herself. I was like, "What did you say like about this?" And I, you know, truly understand now. Like when I'm giving someone bad news about their pet, like, oh my God, you can't process information properly when you're like that. Um, and I just remember the yoga instructor like knocking on the door and she's like, Hey, just checking. Like I saw your mat and everything. Is everything okay? Like, are you okay in there? And I was like, uh, I just like maybe got diagnosed with cancer over the phone. And she's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, yeah. So I packed up my stuff. Um, and the doctor basically said, you know, we have to send out the pathology for initial testing to confirm, and that'll be back in probably a week or so. She's like, it could, you know, turn out that it's not molar. Um, so don't like lose hope yet. And I was like, okay, so hopefully it's not. Um, the next day I had a ski trip planned with my friends. Um, and I decided to still go on the ski trip, even though I didn't want to. My husband was like, you need to do something that's fun. Like, you need to get your mind off of this for even a little bit. Like, you need to just be with your friends and have some fun. So as soon as we went on the ski trip, we drove up with my friends. It was about, like, a three-hour drive um, into the mountains. And um, it was a pretty, like, treacherous drive. There was a lot of snow. Um, and as soon as we got to the mountain, like, I was feeling cramps all the way there. And I went to the bathroom. And I like pushed a ping pong ball sized like clot um, of tissue out and was just like, oh my God, it was so painful. Um, and I immediately was just like shaking and freaking out. And my doctor, God bless her, like the sweetest woman, she gave me her personal um, cell to call, um, which I don't think many doctors do. And so I, I called her and I was like, Hey, I'm so sorry to like use this. Like, I don't want to call you like on your personal cell, but like this just happened and I'm freaking out. And like, what do I do? I'm in this mountain. Like there's hardly any service here. We're three hours away from like Seattle. Um, I don't know what to do. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, with DNCs, like you can still pass tissue like up until, you know, a week or so afterward. And honestly, like, um, it's a good thing that you pass that tissue because you are still bleeding after your DNC. So like, this is probably the end of it, but have fun on the ski trip. Enjoy it. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll just enjoy my ski trip then, even though I just like passed a ping pong size ball clot. Like this is really horrifying. Um, so I tried to have fun on that ski trip and obviously it was not that easy. Um, and a week later, I got the call that not only was a diagnosed with molar pregnancy, it was a complete molar pregnancy. Um, and with a complete molar pregnancy, you are at a higher risk of developing uh, the cancer that goes along with it. It's called a, either like choriocarcinoma or um, trophoblastic gestational disease. Um, and you need to be followed for longer. Um, so with a partial molar, they follow your HCG to zero for three months after that, and you can't try for three months. For a complete, they trace your HCG to zero, and it's six months. 
Um, so I, I was just like heartbroken. And she told me over the phone, the chances of cancer are higher and all that. And I'm just like, great. Like I, all I wanted was a baby. And now I've gone and got cancer. Like this is ridiculous. Like what else can the universe throw at me? Like I just, I don't know. I was just angry at that point. Like, you know, I'm 26 and I work out six days a week and I eat really healthy mostly. And like, what did I do to deserve this basically? Um, just a lot of anger, honestly. Um, and I was so upset and like, luckily I reached out and I got, um, started into some counseling and that helped. Um, and I was just kind of waiting. Um, and the only good news that was coming out of this was my HCG was still, um, since my, uh, DNC was dropping and it was dropping really rapidly. Um, I hit my first negative on the first week of February and then I needed two more negatives to start getting approved for monthly blood draws because at this point I had to go every week. Um, so first week of February I got my first negative um, and my doctor basically said like yay you hit your first negative. Um, so basically six months from today is um when you can try again and that's july 31st um and that was just a huge slap in the face because july 31st was my due date and i remember telling my husband like we're cleared to try again july 31st and like as long as it stays negative and he immediately like just started crying and was like and he's not a crier <laughs> and he's like we're starting again at square one. Are you kidding me? Like we were supposed to have a baby and now we're starting at square one. And I was like, yep. But what else are we supposed to do at this point? You know? Um, so the first like week um, that I knew I had a molar pregnancy, I, I got into a really dark place and I really thought that like, this is it. Like I'm going to die from this. Like, honestly, that's what was going through my head. I was just so depressed. Um, then on the what to expect when you're expecting app, um, they had some resources for like miscarriage and some forums. And uh, I went and looked on there and I was like, has anyone had a mole pregnancy? And it was like radio silence. Like <laughs> no one, no one had a molar pregnancy pretty much. But finally, a few days later, someone commented and they said, there's a group on Facebook called My Molar Pregnancy Support Group. Um, it's a private group, but you can join it and it's really helpful. And I was like, okay, that sounds like interesting, but I guess I'll go ahead and join it. What do I have to lose? So I joined this uh, molar pregnancy support group on Facebook and there's a few thousand women in it actually, <coughs> excuse me. And um, they're from all over the world. Um, a lot of them are actually in uh, the United Kingdom, but um, there's quite a few in the U.S. and in different countries as well. Um, and basically, when you join the group, kind of what women do is they'll post, like, the full history of, like, when they were diagnosed with a molar pregnancy, what their HCG looks like, and all these other things. And, like, people can, like, comment and talk about, like, similarities between their diagnoses. And people post in there about, like, you know when they need chemo or when they're finally done with chemo or just 
everyone posts in there about like everything to do with molar pregnancy and just for support. And I binge read that page the entire time I was at home, like recovering. And um, I really found a lot of comfort in it um, because when you have a miscarriage, I mean, it's horrible to go through. It's a lot of grief, but I guess one comfort that I drew from it was, okay, this happens to one in four, one in four. So I'm not alone. And I actually did post about it on Facebook um, a few weeks after the DNC, um, before I knew it was molar, um, about the miscarriage. And I had a lot of people comment saying like, I had a miscarriage too or message me privately or text me and be like, I never told anyone this before. I never made it public, but I actually had a miscarriage and it helped me. It helped me not feel alone. But when I found out about the molar pregnancy, I was like, okay, really? Like one in a thousand for partial. And I think it's like one in 4,000 for complete molar. Um, and so all I could think of was, I'm, I'm not going to post on Facebook about this and get any support like, or get anyone who at least went through this, like, no one knows what this is, no one has gone through this, like, I am alone, like, that was how it felt, um, and so when I found the support group, it was really nice, like, I remember posting in there, and everyone immediately was, like, you know, saying, okay, like, you shouldn't worry about needing chemo, your drops on your HCG look great, and, like, I'm so sorry, and here for you, and, um, like just seeing women like having to go through chemo and all that, like I thought that that would scare me, but honestly it made me feel like, okay, like these women are going through chemo. They're strong. They can do this. Like I can do this too. If I'm going to have to go through this, like I need to survive it because like, you know, we have plans, like we're going to have a healthy baby. Um, so I'm going to beat this. Um, so that's, you know, kind of the, take I took from it um and I've slowly been getting a little better um and I felt like okay I was going to therapy every week and I was at least talking about the molar part with like my friends I didn't post about it on Facebook or anything but I was at least talking about it with them and I you know the holiday schedule ended and I was back at work normally and I felt like okay this is getting some normalcy back in my life um and then COVID hit. <laughs> um, that was just another curveball I wasn't expecting. So now I'm teleworking and all of my therapy appointments were canceled because they were non-essential services, quote unquote, which I think is kind of messed up. Um, and I feel like I'm kind of regressing back, um, just being alone all the time and being isolated. Um, you know, away from friends and family, and my husband's still working normal hours, so I have a lot of time just kind of by myself, um, and, you know, that's been really hard for me, um, especially because I was really, really liking being busy. Um, I was so busy at work that I was like, wow, July is going to happen in no time, and it's going to be fine, and I wasn't even thinking about my HCG really. I was like, you know, I wasn't worrying about it going back up because I was just so busy. I wasn't thinking about it. And now I'm at home and I'm like, oh my gosh, March took three years to get through. And now April is moving super slow too. Um, and July is just so far away. And on top of it, now I'm like back worrying about 
what else my hcg spikes again and then it'll be like pretty much years until i can try again because if i have to go through chemo and whatnot it delays you even longer um so that's been really tough um and then all those really 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 annoying jokes about oh all these babies that are going to be in born in nine months because everyone is just making babies in quarantine and like I know that they're supposed to be harmless I know that those are harmless jokes my husband has told me time and time again no one means them no one means it and no one is thinking of you when they post that and I know that but at the same time I'm like oh my gosh like I every time I see a post about like all the babies being made in quarantine, I get so sad because I'm like, I wish that we could be making a baby right now, but we can't, we literally can't. Like I, there's nothing more heartbreaking than like you want a baby so badly. Um, and your doctor gives you birth control and plan B because if you get pregnant, then it could be really dangerous for you. And that was so hard. Like I'd just go into the pharmacy and picking up plan B. Like I was, you know, basically feeling like I was back in college and uh, like I was an irresponsible teenager or something. I don't know. <laughs> like it was, it was horrible. I was, and I totally got judged too. Like, cause there was like all these retirees in the pharmacy and it like, it looks like it literally says like plan B in <laughs> giant letters on it. So these like little old ladies are like looking at me judgmentally and I just want to like scream at them like no I want a baby like this is not my fault and it sucked um so that's where I was at um that's kind of where I'm at now honestly like just trying to make it through day by day and um trying to like be good about like self-care and trying to get support um that Facebook book uh Facebook group really like saved me honestly because having a place to talk about it where people really truly understand and have been through like exactly what you're going through. Um, that's been the biggest resource. Um, but like, honestly, like my mom criticized me for posting about my miscarriage on Facebook. Um, her and my dad literally called me one night and they're like, honey, there are some things that you just don't share on social media. And like, they tried to talk to me like I was like 12 years old and I just remember being so mad at them and like saying, no, like this is my body. This happened to me. Like, this is my choice. Like I get to post about this. You don't get a say in this. Um, and that's, that's something that I would like tell other women who go through this, like, don't be afraid to post about it on Facebook because it's unpleasant. Um, like, you don't know how many of your friends and family have gone through this until you speak out about it and they, you know, reach out to you. Um, so don't be afraid to talk about it. Like uh, part of me did feel like, oh, okay, I'm being a black ring cow because mostly on Facebook, I just post memes and funny things. So it felt out of place for me, but at the same time, like I wouldn't have gained a lot of support if I didn't post about it on Facebook. Um, and I, I really did. Um, and then another thing too, like through all this, like one of the things that I'm, I've learned, I guess, um, is that like going through this miscarriage and all this horrible like aftermath has made me at least realize like 
wow, I really, really want kids and I'm not rushing into this and I'm ready. Like part of me was still a little scared when I found out that I was pregnant because I was like, oh, we, we never backpacked Europe and we, you know, we never like did this and like all these like ridiculous trips were popping up into my mind that like we quote unquote never did. Um, and I started to get a little panicky about like, oh, what if I rushed into this? Um, but now I'm realizing like going through all this made me realize like, no, I want a baby more than anything. It's worth the missing out on backpacking Europe as a, you know, childless couple it's worth the stretch marks and, you know, everything that comes along with it. Like, so I don't know, like, that's like the weird silver lining I've taken away from <laughs> this, but. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much my story. <laughs> Have you, um, did you ever listen to Sean Murray's episode? I think it was episode 51. I just looked back. I actually didn't. I've listened to a lot of episodes, but I haven't um, gotten back to a molar pregnancy one yet. Okay, you should check out that one. That yeah, I think you'd find it very relatable. Okay, Sean Murray. <clears throat> yeah, it was episode 51. Okay, awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you so much for jumping on and sharing just because like especially because how rare um, yes. Complete molar pregnancy is like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, like <laughs> people are out there searching for somebody with a similar story and you just gave it to them. So I really appreciate that. If somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Um, so probably Instagram is the best way. Um, so my Instagram handle is army doctor. So it's basically army doctor, but, uh, replace the C that. with a G. <laughs> very, <laughs> very punny. Um, <laughs> But um, it's it's private. But if you shoot me a message um, and you know just request to follow me, um, I would love to be connected. Cool. And you guys, you can always shoot DMs too, even to you know the girls who have private Instagrams on here, and they can still see them. So don't be scared to reach out. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I really really appreciate it. I wish you the best of luck coming up July thirty first, right? Just yeah. Like your yeah. Okay. So, so we'll have to keep me posted. I will. And yeah, it's like best case scenario is July 31st. So fingers crossed that that's still, you know, that my HCG doesn't spike again before then. Yes. But, um, you know, I will definitely keep you updated and hopefully we'll have like a happy update like some of these women do <laughs> sometime yeah. soon. Everyone keep your fingers crossed for July 31st. Thank you so much for doing this and um, stay in touch. Keep us all posted and I appreciate you. Will do. And thank you so much for all you do with this podcast. It's really helped me get through everything. God, I've been yes. listening to it, my commute to work and it's kind of like just my you know, daily relaxation thing, as weird as that sounds, but it just I, it makes me feel so like, weird, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it does. I, totally I know get it. <laughs> my husband totally judges me for it. He's like, you find that relaxing. And I'm like, because like, they're going through the same thing as me. And I don't know. It's just, it's really helped me out. And I really appreciate what you do. Oh, thank you. I know I always walk downstairs after I'm done recording these. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was such a good episode. <laughs> it sounds so weird. It does. No uh, judgment. But, yeah, perfect. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.